whole new world. Today is July 26, 2022, and I recently just got back from the Dolphin Resort. It's kind of like my my local resort that I like to stay, um, mostly because of the rates and the convenience of staying at the boardwalk. Um, I feel like I repeat myself because I can't say enough good things about the Swan and Dolphin for the price and the location right there at Disney's boardwalk. Um, so we recently stayed there over this past weekend. We got there Thursday morning and we checked out Sunday morning. So just a really quick three night trip. And we had the grandparents in town to visit uh, my kids and we decided to stay on property. I thought it would be really convenient with uh, walking distance or a short boat ride over to Hollywood Studios and Epcot and uh, the ability to drive very quickly. It's actually less than 10 minutes to drive to uh, Magic Kingdom. So it's very, very close to everything. And we got to experience the Food and Wine Festival for the first time this year. And we tried a few things. So I just wanted to make a rundown list of what we tried. So over in Belgium at their stand, I tried the St. Bernardus Wit Beer and also tried the Brazilian cheese bread from Brazil. Both of them were very good. If you like a light, refreshing beer, I highly recommend in Belgium the St. Bernardus. It was very good. I don't even think my dad is a very, um, he usually just drinks his typical, you know, Bud Light or, or something like that. But he even enjoyed it. So that's saying something. And we also tried the Brazilian cheese bread, like I said. It was very good. You get like two large pieces of cheese bread served hot. And it was really good. It was just like a fancy roll, basically, with some cheese stuffed inside of it. And it was very good. If you have had Brazilian cheese bread before, I highly recommend this one. It's very good. Over at the Swanky Saucy Swine. That's a tongue twister. I tried for the first time a bourbon Bloody Mary. Usually those come with vodka uh, or something like that. And I love bourbon. I love beer. Uh, I also love Bloody Marys too. So I thought, why not try this bourbon Bloody Mary? And it was fantastic. I really enjoyed it. I wasn't sure what to expect, but that smokiness and that woodiness uh, really came through in that Bloody Mary. And it may have changed the game for how I drink Bloody Marys from now on. So uh, instead of that vodka, I might just be pouring my favorite bourbon instead or whatever I have around um, in the cabinets. But this was really good. It came with some bacon on top. I'm not a huge fan of when they dunk the bacon in the drink. It gets it really soggy instead of crispy. Uh, so I tried to eat that very quickly. It was still very good. And kind of like you would get with a margarita, how they line the rim of the glass. They did that here. And instead of like salt or anything like that, they use like a barbecue rub, which is a fantastic idea. And it actually works really well. So if you're trying to make one at home, get some barbecue rub, maybe get a little water or even um, maybe line it with a little bit of bourbon and then dunk the rim of the glass in some barbecue rub. And then uh, uh, the bourbon inside of it, I think it was like a Woodford bourbon and it kind of had a little kick to that Bloody Mary as well. So if you're a big bourbon and Bloody Mary fan, but haven't had them together, I highly recommend that one. Really, really good. It comes in a cool like little plastic mason jar looking thing with a label on it with the swanky saucy swine on it as well. So highly recommend that. Can't recommend it enough. I don't know if I can go back to a traditional Bloody Mary after a bourbon one. It was really, really good.
Over in America, in that pavilion, there's a stand called Hops and Barley. I tried the Bold Rock Roast Coffee Hard Cider and the Lexington Brewing Kentucky Pumpkin Barrel Ale. Um, these sounded interesting to me. I've never had them before. And I just had to try them just because they sound interesting and different. That's kind of why I like these festivals. I try different things that I'm not really exposed to all the time or don't usually try. But I tried these two. Uh, I got the cider for my wife and I got the pumpkin barrel ale for myself. But we both try each of them. Um, that's the good thing about these festivals. The Bold Rock Roast Coffee is kind of weird. Um, when you smell it, you smell coffee right off on the nose, um, right up front. A lot of coffee smell and aroma. But then once you drink it, it's a little, it's a little flat. It kind of falls flat. I was kind of expecting it to hit hard with that coffee flavor since I smelled it. But once you drink it, it's just kind of like a normal cider. So it was a little disappointing, but it was interesting to be able to smell coffee while you're drinking cider. Uh, definitely a different experience. Maybe you would enjoy it more than I did, but for me, it the coffee flavor kind of disappeared. Um, and there really wasn't that flavor. It was more of like an aroma with the smell. Uh, both of these kind of fell flat for me. Um, I was really interested in this pumpkin barrel ale. I'm not sure what it was about this one. I was probably with the name. I was expecting pumpkin flavor. But I guess pumpkins don't really taste like much. They usually have seasoning added in. So maybe I was expecting like pumpkin spice. But I didn't didn't really get that spicy flavor. It had kind of like a little off flavor to it. Um, but, you know, it was, it was refreshing. I'll give it that. It was refreshing. And it was kind of strong. So I'll give it that. But I would, probably would pass up these two again. Wouldn't recommend it again. But I tried it. And now I can move on. So I, re I recommend you guys trying it. Maybe you'll like it more than me. Everybody's palate's different. Everybody's taste buds are different. So I still recommend it. But for me, those two, I probably wouldn't order them again. My wife didn't enjoy either one of them either. So um, for us, we're probably out on that. But we did get to try it and we got to enjoy it. Um, the experience of trying it. All right. Over in Australia... We had the grilled sweet and spicy bushberry shrimp, which was great. It came with some like snap peas as well. Those were great too. Uh, and just some vegetables that came with it. The shrimp was grilled to perfection and it tasted really good. It kind of tasted like it was spiced heavily with Old Bay uh, and then grilled up, which I love Old Bay. So if you don't like Old Bay, you might not enjoy it. But again, I recommend that one. And... The star in Australia for us was the Lamington. So Lamington is a yellow cake with raspberry filling dipped with chocolate and coconut. And if you're a fan of those Almond Joys, that topping really reminded me of an Almond Joy, the chocolate and coconut together. So if you like the Almond Joy flavor, get this. It's really good. The cake was very good. It wasn't dry. And it tasted really good. All of it together was perfection. It was great. That was one of the highlights of this trip, food-wise. We also completed the Remy's Hide and Squeak scavenger hunt. That's where you go around and you find all 15 of the Remy's that are hiding throughout the World Showcase. So there's one in France. There's one over in Germany, Canada. And you just pick up this map for $9.99 plus tax. And then it has 15 stickers on the back. And once you find a Remy hiding somewhere, 
uh, a lot of places they're kind of on the um, the booth so like at um, let's just pretend it's like uh, Australia usually it would be like next to the Australia sign on the booth but there are a few of them that are very tricky to find so it is very challenging and it's very fun too and it kind of gets you to interact and to get familiar with the areas and the different lands too which I love uh, but we were able to find all 15 of those Remy's I took a picture of them all. I thought that would be kind of fun to document as we went. And um, my daughter really enjoyed it. We, my wife and myself, really enjoyed it. And we found all 15. And then we got to cash it in for one of four cup choices. It's kind of like if you move it in the light, it kind of like changes the image. And it looks like it's moving a little bit, right? So they had a Figment. They had a Remy, Mickey Mouse. And I can't remember the last one, but there was another one. And my daughter chose Figment this time. So it's a purple cup with Figment on it. It's really cute. Looks great. Uh, I think my favorite was the Remy cup. Um, so maybe if we do it again next time, we can get the Remy cup next time. And there's four different choices to choose from. So um, a lot of fun overall. It was extremely hot that day. The sun was just, you know, blaring down on us. And uh, we recently bought those cooling towels for the first time that you can buy. They're like, 15 or 16 dollars i think but they're well worth your money all you do is wet them down and wring them out and then you kind of like pop the fabric or kind of wave it around in the air uh, and snap it and it activates this like cooling technology kind of like it's kind of like the other side of the pillow right like cooler than the other side of the pillow that's what it reminds me of once you flip over your pillow it's a lot cooler on that side um and it's just a burst of coolness going to your neck or face or wherever you want to put that towel and it really cools you down it protects your neck from the sun too so um, i highly recommend those we actually end up getting four total for um, my parents and uh, for our family too so I, I plan on using them while i'm mowing the yard and anytime i'm out in the sun i'm going to use it that's how much i loved it i didn't know if i'd use it that much but it really cools you down and it, it kind of makes it so that you can enjoy the outside a little bit longer than you normally would. They do evaporate quickly on uh, hot days, but if you just kind of wet it really quick in some of those free water fountains um, and then wring it out, you're good to go again. So I really love those. Highly recommend those when you're coming here in the summer months. Super hot here. People underestimate the, the heat and the humidity. Make sure to drink plenty of water. Use sunscreen. And I recommend these towels as well. And make sure to bring those fans, those stroller fans for the kids. Um, it makes a huge difference for them. I even steal it sometimes and use it when I'm really hot too. So um, like when the kids are off doing other things. So those are your like necessities on a hot summer day. Okay. Um, we were able to get a lot of rides done. We got uh, with uh, Genie Plus, we were able to get a lot done, especially at Magic Kingdom. We rode Splash Mountain, my wife and I. So I know they're going to be closing that very soon to retheme it to Princess and the Frog. So we wanted to ride that again, ride as many times as we could. And it was a great time. We rode it at night, and it's one of the best attractions to ride at night, I feel like. We rode Peter Pan's Flight, which is a hard one to get on. Jungle Cruise, which is very difficult to get on as well. Winnie the Pooh, People Mover, Buzz Lightyear, Slinky Dog Dash over at Hollywood, Toy Story Mania, Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway, Figment, and Cosmic Rewind with the use of the virtual queue so didn't have to pay for any premium uh, lightning lanes or anything like that we just used the 
the Genie Plus that costs $15 plus tax per person. And my parents were very Im impressed with it as well. They, they said this lightning lane thing is great. It saves a lot of time and it's better than waiting in those hot and long lines too, especially in the summer. So we got a lot done. It was a shorter trip and we, we really had a good time. It was a, a positive trip overall. We dined at a few restaurants. Um, I would say the highlight of the trip was La Cellier. That filet and mushroom risotto is amazing. Like, I don't know what kind of sauce that is in the risotto, but it's fantastic. Me and my wife both got that, and we ate every bite of it. It was amazing. We got the poutine for an appetizer. First time we did that, it was delicious. That gravy is um, amazing as well. And we got a creme brulee for dessert. There's not much, there's not a much better dining experience than La Cellier. The theming isn't very heavily Disney based, but that's okay. I feel like it is based to a Canadian steakhouse, which is what it is. And it's a nice place to go. It's very quiet. They do kind of cram you in a little bit, but um, it didn't bother us too much and didn't bother the people around us that I knew of. Um, but we were hot and we got some air conditioning in there and... Yeah, it was a great experience. Probably the highlight of the trip, dining-wise. Everything's fantastic. And I've never had a bad trip to La Cellier. Uh, Liberty Tree Tavern, that was probably the number two on the list. It's always great. We always get right when it opens, like at 11 a.m. Everything's fresh, comes out quick. The restaurant's not packed. We didn't even sit next to anybody else. Um, so I highly recommend trying to get like a 11 a.m. reservation when it starts getting hot outside. Over in Magic Kingdom. That was amazing. Um, Chef Mickey's. That was our first time experiencing dinner at Chef Mickey's. Or um, Chef Mickey's in general for me, honestly. But you go there basically for the atmosphere. You can kind of check out the monorails coming in through the contemporary. It's on the fourth floor there. And um, the food wasn't really much to write home about. I would say the desserts were the highlight. Um, the strawberry cake was pretty good. The meal left something to be desired, honestly, but overall the experience was great. You get to see five characters, and they're all in their chef's outfits, so um, a unique character experience. And we even got to see Daisy in her chef outfit over at Epcot, so right in the entrance of that international gateway by the Skyliner. She was out there this weekend, so we got to meet her for the food and wine. Uh, we even saw Merida right there, too, at one point, which we hadn't seen in a long, long time. But um, I really love their chef's costumes, and those are very unique. And I think the only place you can find it, unless you see them like on rare occasions, like Daisy at the Food and Wine Festival, is at Chef Mickey. So um, they come around, they take pictures, sign autographs. They kind of do a little dance um, when they're about to switch out. But um, it's a lot of opportunities for characters. The kids love it. And it's just a good opportunity to be in air conditioning, eating, and meeting characters at the same time. I don't think we'll rush back to that one. These character meals are very expensive. And the food at this one, I just, I wasn't blown away from it or by it. So I don't think we'll rush back, but I think we'll definitely do it for breakfast in the future uh, and see how that food is instead. Sci-fi dine-in, always a great experience. We did an early lunch at Hollywood Studios at Sci-fi dine-in. And we sat in our car. We had a party of six, so it worked out perfectly. We got a car to ourselves right there in the front. 
our server was great this time. Um, and what my wife and I really liked there are the appetizers. We got fried pickles and onion rings and split those. And then we got a milkshake as well. My dad got a burger and said it was really great. Um, but for me, I, I feel like the appetizers and milkshakes are where it's at at Sci-Fi Dine-In. And you're really paying for the atmosphere as well. So you get to watch those old sci-fi movies and cartoons as you're dining in your car, like you're transported back to the 50s. And with that theme, for dinner that night, we ate at 50s Primetime Cafe. Always a fun time. The servers always give you a hard time and make you feel like family, but they do it in a great way. And it's just entertainment, and it's just Disney, and the theming of that is great. And you can never have a bad time. Also, the food is really good there, and the pricing isn't too bad either. It's one of the cheaper meals on property that you can get. Overall, really great trip. Um, the hotel worked out great. We got there early in the morning. I went to the front desk because I noticed that on the mobile key on the app, our room wasn't ready yet. But I went to the front desk because I wanted to check in because we had two rooms, one for me, one for my parents. And... Um, she was doing her thing at the front, checking in, and then they asked us if we wanted to upgrade for a very small fee, and the rooms would be available then. I said, sure, why not, because um, we didn't know when we'd need the rooms, and it's just good to have the room and not have to check in later on in the day. So we did that. We got our rooms ready, and it was actually on the same floor. It actually worked out really great. It was on the lobby level, and we didn't have to take the elevators or anything, which is nice with the luggage and with the kids. So um, it worked out really great. Our room was ready right when we got there and we hit the parks very early and we had a great trip. It went by really quick. We got a lot of stuff done and overall a really memorable trip. And that's what Walt Disney World's all about is making those lasting memories. And we definitely made some this past weekend. Okay, the news. Let's move on to the news. There's a lot of news this week. And number one is the Magic Band Plus. That's the first story we're going to cover today. It's been announced for a release date of July 27, 2022, and that is tomorrow. So tomorrow morning, um, Magic Band Plus is supposed to go live. I expect to be some technical glitches and things up front that they're going to have to work through. So by the time August rolls around, I think it's going to be a well-oiled machine. But it's very exciting that that's coming out. We've had a lot of um, rumors of when it's going to be coming out very soon, and it's finally here. I know at Disney Springs, they accidentally released a few of them for sale, and some people ended up with them and so forth, but um, but now, that was a long time ago. Now it's officially here, July 27th, which is tomorrow. I plan on purchasing one of these to test out. I really like the Walt and Mickey one that's like a navy blue color. I think that'll be the first one I get, and I was telling my wife I really want to get like a Halloween-themed one, which hopefully they have like a Haunted Mansion one coming out soon or something like that, or like Nightmare Before Christmas. I feel like that would be really cool. I need a new Halloween one anyway. So I plan on getting one, testing it out. And um, when I do, I will be making a YouTube video of me testing it out, all the cool features of it as well. So just go to my YouTube channel, Joel New World, and check it out once I do purchase one. Might be a week or so. Um, I think our next trip is planned for our daughter's birthday, which will be... Um, middle of August. So that's when we were planning on our next trip. We're also going to be doing the Halloween party then too. So 
that's an exciting trip coming up very, very soon. Anyways, Magic Band Plus. It looks like the Magic Band Plus will be paired via Bluetooth to your phone, and you'll need to charge it occasionally. So I don't know how I feel about the charging part. I feel like I already have a lot of gadgets and devices that I'm charging constantly between iPads for the kids, our phones, fans for the stroller, and now watches. So, um, so yeah, uh, looks like there's going to be a lot coming out in the way of Magic Band Plus very, very soon. Very exciting with Magic Band Plus coming out soon. Um, on to the next topic, which is following up on our previous episode's news topic, which is Jesse's trading post. We mentioned that there was a new mural that was up, and it looks like they were very close to opening. And since then, it has opened, and I've actually been to it. So Jesse's trading post is now open at Hollywood Studios. And it is the gift shop at the exit of the Toy Story Mania ride. And it, it's a really nice store. Um, you know, nothing but Toy Story themed in there. Uh, the theming's not extremely heavy, but there is a lot of uh, Toy Story merchandise. We picked up one of those Bigfoot Rex um, stuffed animals while we were there for our son. And he loves it. Uh, I'm really excited about all these Bigfoot ones that are coming out. They're really cute. Uh, there's a really cool Remy one that I want to get eventually. There's a big orange bird and a Chewbacca. There's just a lot of them, and they look really great. But we ended up getting Rex this trip, and Jesse's Trading Post is now open. So if you were looking forward to that, that is now an option for you. You can't miss it if you ride Toy Story Mania. It's in the exit. And I would say that it's a little bit darker than the last... Um, than the last gift shop that was there. I would say that one was very bright and open. This one's a little bit darker for some reason. That's kind of the, the vibe I got. And um, But there does seem to be a little bit more merchandise than there used to be. So um, I didn't notice any exclusive merchandise. It was basically just the merchandise that the, you could find throughout Hollywood Studios. But that's very exciting that the store is officially open. It kind of felt weird when you were exiting Toy Story Mania. And you go around it and behind it instead of through a gift shop or something like that. So uh, it's very nice to see things come together and things starting to reopen after they've been working on them for quite some time. Moving on, Disney. I don't know if you guys have been keeping up with this, but Disney's been taking down some of the beloved large billboards in the area. The first one was that Tower of Terror billboard. You may have seen it when you're like on the bus driving over to some of the parks. But that big elevator uh, was like in the median of the road, and it's advertising the Tower of Terror. I love that one, and I always love seeing it, but it's gone now. They, they took it down, and now it looks like the DVC or the Disney Vacation Club bus with Goofy driving it might be next. So I'm not really sure why they're um, starting to take down these iconic billboards and they're really just fun, right? That's what you come to Disney for is the theming and the fun and the atmosphere. But they're, they're starting to take down all these billboards that we love. So hopefully they replace them with something more updated and more cool. But I hope it's just not like a normal billboard where, you know, anybody can advertise. Hopefully it's, it's something unique and specific to Walt Disney World. But uh, kind of sad to see those go. Those were kind of iconic. My daughter always loved pointing at them and shouting at them when she saw them. 
And it's kind of like that big Welcome to Walt Disney World sign and come in. It kind of just puts you in the mood for a great trip and a great time. And everybody gets a little bit more excited when they see those when they're driving in. But but those two are gone, or it looks like that bus could be next. So I'm sad to see that go, but hopefully they replace it with something in the future. Next, San Diego Comic-Con just took place this past weekend. I think it was the same days of my trip, uh, Thursday through Sunday. Uh, and there were some major Marvel announcements. If you haven't been paying attention or been living under a rock and you love those Marvel movies, wow, it was just some earth-shattering news. And they announced their new timeline of films and Disney Plus series that will be coming out over the next few years. And I'm I'm extremely excited. I'm a huge movie buff. Um, huge cinephile, if you will, and especially these Marvel movies. I love them. I've rewatched them. I know during the pandemic, my wife and I rewatched all the Marvel movies in uh, timeline order, starting with uh, Captain America, First Avenger, and then going to I believe it was Captain Marvel. But we've done we've done that, and yeah, there's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of news to get to with this. Uh, they announced the end of Phase Four, which is what they're currently in. And some releases in Phase 5 and 6. Phase 6 would also end the multiverse saga, as they call it now. So Phases 4 through 6, you're in the multiverse. Um, that is what the name is, the multiverse saga. And, which makes sense, because we've been dealing with alternate realities and different timelines. If you've been watching Loki, and there will be a Loki Season 2, which I'm super pumped about. But I feel like that one series you have to watch that because everything's going to revolve around that series and it does a really great job of talking about multiverses and other um, versions that can exist of loki or anybody for instance in other multiverses and then if you saw the multiverse of madness you can see how that's possible or even spider-man um, no way home they all deal with the multiverse in some form or fashion and even um, wandavision so so yeah, check those out. You're going to need them. You're going to need to watch them in order to understand the upcoming ones. But let's get to the timeline. I just want to kind of touch on some of the upcoming projects and films and um, series that are coming out very, very soon. So I'm looking at this timeline here, and it starts at February 17, 2023, with the first project coming up very soon. And that is Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantum Mania. So that is, looks like the first release of 2023, which is phase five in this project or in this uh, multiverse saga. And then uh, it says spring of 2023, Secret Invasion. And it has that Disney Plus logo. So I'm assuming that is a Disney Plus series coming up shortly after Ant-Man and the Wasp. And I've heard it has something to do with like the Creel... Um, from Captain Marvel, something like that. So um, that's something for, to look forward to. Another project called Echo. That looks like a movie. Nope. Actually, Disney Plus symbol is just hidden. So it looks like an Echo series could be coming to Disney Plus in the summer of 2023. One I'm really pumped for is Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. That comes out May 5th, 2023. This picture is a little blurry, but... I believe it's May 5th, 2023. And I heard recently that James Gunn said that this would be the final chapter of the Guardians in the Marvel Universe. So kind of sad to see it come to an end, but 
you know, three volumes of their movies is, is great. And they were a part of the Avengers movies too. So, um, got to enjoy them for quite a while. Next, we go move on to the summer of 23 still. There's a lot coming out in the summer, it looks like. Loki Season 2 comes out on Disney Plus in the summer of 23. Super excited about that. I loved the first series. It was great, and it got better as it went on. And kind of left us hanging, so I'm excited to see what happens in Season 2. The Marvels looks like a movie is coming July 28th, 2023. So, The Marvels. And then Blade, if you're familiar with the Blade franchise... It's not Wesley Snipes, but I think it's Mahershala Ali, is what I heard, would be um, portraying Blade. And I believe he was at the end of, so spoilers here, I don't know. It's not a huge spoiler, but um, you kind of see him at the end of Eternals, I believe it was. So, November 3rd, 2023, Blade makes its return. And a first in the Marvel or MCU. Fall 23, Ironheart on Disney Plus. That's a series. And if I'm understanding this one correctly, it seems like it's going to be based around it has like an Iron Man theme, but it's from Wakanda. So uh, I think Ironheart takes place with one of those characters in Wakanda. So very excited to see that. A few more here. There's a lot. Like I said, there's a lot here in phase five that they announced. And if you're a fan of WandaVision, Agatha Coven of Chaos is coming to Disney Plus in the winter of 23 slash 24. So it could come out in early 24 as well. So Agatha, I'm glad she was one of my favorite characters from that series. And I'm glad she's getting uh, her due here with her own series. I think she's a great actor, Catherine Hahn, And I think it's going to be a great uh, addition to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. If you haven't heard recently, Daredevil is um, born again basically daredevil born again will feature uh on the disney plus in the spring of 24 and it's going to be the same character from the netflix version of daredevil so if you like that version of it you're going to love this one too i'm sure and i think it's even has kingpin in it too the same one moving on there's two more may 3rd 2024 captain america new world order so that's probably going to follow the falcon and uh, pick up that timeline from Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And in July, end of July 2024, Thunderbolts. So very excited about that one. I think Thunderbolts, from what I've re- I was reading, uh, I'm not super familiar with, but it sounds like it's almost like a Suicide Squad type of movie where it, it was villains turned somewhat good. And that sounds promising as well. So that's phase five. That's a lot. And I'm pretty sure that's the complete list of projects. So you have 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 different projects in Phase 5. That's a lot. Moving on to Phase 6, there's not quite as many announced yet, which maybe they'll announce a few more in at the D23 Expo coming up very soon. But right now there's only three projects announced. And the first one's pretty exciting because it's a new one to the franchise. Maybe not if you've seen um, Multiverse of Madness, but November of 24, starting the Phase 6 of the Multiverse Saga is Fantastic Four. So very excited to see them come to the MCU officially, and that'll be a lot of fun. Alright, then we have a couple of Avengers movies that were announced. These were the first two that were announced, and the first Avengers comes out May 2nd, 2025. 
and it's called the Kang Dynasty. So uh, very excited for that one. That's usually when all of these characters come together and share all that screen time together. So that's the big project, and it's working towards a final conclusion, kind of like with Infinity War and Endgame. That's kind of what it sounds like here. So you have one in May. You have an Avengers in May 25, and you have a November 7, 2025, your second Avengers. So probably going to set up like the first two, um, the Infinity War versus Endgame. So kind of set up like that too. But the final project that was announced is Avengers Secret Wars, and that would end Phase 6 or the Multiverse Saga. So that would be the final conclusion to that saga. Like I said, I'm very pumped about it and can't wait for the next uh, feature films to come out. They also announced Wakanda Forever coming out this year later on, and very excited to see that one as well. I think it broke a lot of records for a most-watched trailer um, recently, so... Uh, that one's very popular. I want to see how that works out with um, Black Panther and with the actor dying recently, passing away. So, got a lot of answers to, to answer here. But if you watch that trailer, you can kind of get some clues as to what's going to happen. So, very exciting times for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And Comic-Con just looked like a blast. I'd like to go there someday, maybe in the future. Um, but for right now... Uh, I'm good with just sitting at home watching the news and watching Twitter or whatever roll in. One more bit of news, which is very exciting, and it could relate to Tron, but training has begun for employees of the WDW Railroad. This can only mean that the train will be returning very soon. You can imagine, right? Within a month or two, I would say. So they're starting to train for that Walt Disney World Railroad, which is a an iconic ride around the park. And it was closed due to the construction of Tron, where they had to route it through Tron. And with that said, Tron is still zooming right along too. Testing is continuing, and more and more concrete has been adding to the area with different entrances and things like that. And it looks like they're just really trying to tidy up the area and get it all done. I love trying to make predictions, though. And a lot of times I'm wrong, but I want to make a prediction for the opening of Tron. And my prediction, you heard it here first, my official prediction is that Tron will open on October 1st of 2022. That's my prediction, not official or anything like that. But that is exactly one year from the beginning of the 50th celebration from the start of it. I think that would be the perfect time to open. Sure looks like they're pushing for that. And they really want the train to be open again. So the railroad. And I think for, in order for that to happen, I think Tron's going to have to be open. So... Um, it looks like they need to do a lot of testing and really just make the area look pretty and presentable and get the construction look gone, basically, and do some landscaping and things like that. That'll be the final touches. Once we start seeing landscaping pop up, that's probably going to be, you know, 30 days or less away from, from opening. But I will keep you updated on that as I ride the People Mover and check out all the progress of Tron. Very excited to get that. Uh, attraction open there next to Space Mountain and uh, Tomorrowland Speedway. But um, I'm hoping they do like a pass holder preview. Last time we didn't really get one with Cosmic Rewind. They went so quickly and they weren't really announced either. So we missed out on that one. So hopefully they do that again or do some sort of ticketed event where you can preview it. I feel like that would be awesome as well. That's the news. We had quite a bit of news to discuss today. And... 
We're going to get to our e-ticket attraction here shortly, which is what is the best restaurant, table service restaurant in Walt Disney World. And we're going to take it to the brackets here again, like we did with our rides. And we're going to answer the most important question. Where's the best place to eat at a table service restaurant in the air conditioning at Walt Disney World Resort? Stick around. We're going to get to the brackets here shortly. All right, everybody. It's that time again. It's time to go to the brackets. Get used to it. You're going to hear a lot of brackets. I'm a bracket guy. Big March Madness fan. And really, the bracket is the best way to determine the overall champion, in my opinion. Um, as I sip from my Epcot mug here, my Starbucks Epcot mug. This is from about three years ago. Um, I, on that point, I did pick up a really cool Remy's Ratatouille Adventure mug over uh, my last trip. So over in France, I picked up, um, it's basically like the ride vehicle. It's a Remy mug. It looks like the ride vehicle. It comes with like a little spoon that um, is held by the tail. And it's really cool. It's kind of hard to drink out of though. It's really big, but it's really cool and it looks amazing. So, um, but I digress. We're going to go to the brackets again for the best table service restaurants at Walt Disney World Resort. And there's going to be the same number as in the, the ride bracket. So there's eight per region or park, if you will. So eight plus 16, eight times four is going to be 32. So we have a total of 32 restaurants to decide the best overall um, restaurant or table service restaurant in Walt Disney World Resort. You may ask, how do I pick? Is it just my personal favorite? That does play a role into it. But I will tell you how I scored these restaurants. So the scoring for this is you will receive a point for theming, a point for the quality of food, a point for the service, a point for uniqueness. And that being like, can I get a certain dish anywhere else? Is it like a hamburger basically? Uh, or is it something really cool that you can only get at this one place? Um, and then finally, personal favorite. So. There's an odd number of categories. There's five categories, starting with theming, going all the way down to personal favorite. And whoever gets the most votes will move on in my bracket. I thought having a rubric or a scoring card, if you will, would be a more fair way to do that and kind of do it justice and be able to explain it a little bit better, basically. Some of these I did kind of run short on sit-down restaurants. There's a lot of quick serve in Magic Kingdom. There is a lot of quick serve in Hollywood studios, but there's not that many sit down restaurants. So I had to include a few to kind of fill in the blanks there. And what I did was I have a Magic Kingdom region. And I also included one contemporary restaurant because I figured that this one is super close to the Magic Kingdom. It's only like a 10 minute walk away. And sometimes I even park there for breakfast and walk over after eating breakfast to Magic Kingdom because it is so close and it's very convenient, honestly. And that restaurant is Steakhouse 71. So I did include that in the Magic Kingdom region. And that restaurant is phenomenal if you haven't been there before. We've been there for breakfast a couple of times and it is delicious. I want to try lunch very soon though. I hear that burger is the best on property. Also with Hollywood Studios, I included the Boardwalk. So some of those along the boardwalk that are easy to get to and just to walk away. I didn't include it with Epcot because Epcot's loaded with sit-down restaurants. So I didn't have a problem there. I did need to fill in the region for Hollywood Studios. 
slash boardwalk. So I did include Flying Fish on that one. It's right there on the boardwalk. Trattoria Al Forno, I included that one as well. And Cape May Cafe. So that buffet there at the Beach Club. All right, let's get to the bracket. Let's announce our seating. If you're not familiar with um, the seating of brackets, it's usually the best seed overall, in my opinion, versus the weakest or the weaker seed, right? Being the eight seed. So the one plays the eight, the four and the five face off, the three seed and the six seed face off, and the two versus the seven seed face off as well. All right, let's go. We'll start with Magic Kingdom slash Contemporary or Steakhouse 71. We're going to go with the first seed in the Magic Kingdom region, and that is Be Our Guest. Be Our Guest is sort of like a character meal, if you will. You get to see the beast walking around the castle. You don't actually get to hug him or, or meet him or autographs or anything like that, but he does walk around and pose for pictures. And the theming of this restaurant is incredible. So there's three different themed rooms that you can sit in as well. And I thought this would be the great number one seed for Magic Kingdom. Be Our Guest will face off against the eight seed, which is Tony's Town Square. That's the first restaurant when you walk into the entrance to the right. It's right there uh, on Main Street at the end of Main Street. And it's kind of like an Italian take on food as well. Tony's Town Square has a Lady in the Tramp theme if you're not familiar with it. The four seed. So the four seed I chose Steakhouse 71 to take on the five seed Crystal Palace and I rank Crystal Palace a little bit higher than I would because characters are returning very soon and they feature Winnie the Pooh characters. So four of those Winnie the Pooh characters. You can meet Tigger, Eeyore, and Winnie the Pooh. And there's one more. I think it's Rabbit. No, Piglet. Sorry, it's Piglet. And you can meet them as you're eating your food. Moving on to the three seeds, Cinderella's Royal Table, which is inside of Cinderella's Castle, is our three seed, taking on the six seed Skipper Canteen, which is the Jungle Cruise-themed restaurant in Adventureland. And I recently ate there not too long ago. All right, both of those are great candidates. I like the theming of those, that matchup, the three and the six, Cinderella's Royal Table and Skipper Canteen. The two seed, Liberty Tree Tavern. Fantastic. We just ate here this past trip, and every time this meal is incredible. Uh, I feel like when I see the menu, I'm not, not that excited, but then once I, I'm actually there, I'm sitting down, and the food comes out, the taste is just incredible. And you can have as much of it as you want or care to enjoy. And it's just, it's great. So I, I ranked it a number two seed in the Magic Kingdom region. Liberty Tree Tavern, taking on the seven seed, the Plaza Restaurant. Um, it does feature a lot of 50th specials. And um, and yeah, like I said, you start running out of some of those sit-down restaurants at Magic Kingdom. It is very, very heavy on... Um, quick service or you know mobile ordering and things like that so it was a little hard so I did have to fill in with Steakhouse 71 but it is a very good region there at Magic Kingdom I'm not going to announce the winners yet I'm going to move on and announce all of the seedings for this bracket there will be a follow-up episode as well um, to this and we will decide who should be the champion of this sit-down restaurant bracket also check out Twitter at a Joel New World and Get in on the conversation. I'm going to post some polls, and I want some of you to help me out and help me decide some of these as well. What do you think 
is the better restaurant. I'm going to post some of these closer matchups that I think, like I, I feel like be our guest in Tony's town square. I know who's going to be the clear cut winner there, but maybe Cinderella's Royal table and Skipper canteen. I don't really know. Right. I know the theming is really great at both of them. So it kind of comes down to the food or where you'd rather be. So, um, check it out on Twitter and make sure to, uh, you know, comment, leave some, um, discussion points or basically just participate in those polls that I'm going to be posting very, very, very soon. Yeah. Get in on it. All right, let's go to animal kingdom. So here I included the surrounding resorts as well, like the animal kingdom lodge, um, and, and things like that in this region, because there's not a ton of sit-down restaurants at Animal Kingdom either. So the number one seat is Tiffin's. It's kind of a more of an upscale restaurant there at Animal Kingdom. And I personally have not eaten there. So it's kind of hard for me to talk about the food. But I'm going to do my research and make sure I do it justice, because I hear a lot of great things about Tiffin's. And I do want to try it out here in the near future. It's going to take on the 8 seed Rainforest Cafe, which is at the very um, entrance of the park to Animal Kingdom. There's also one of those in Disney Springs as well, which is why I ranked it so low. I think it's like a Landry's restaurant or something like that. So that's why I ranked it so low, but it is at Animal Kingdom, so I decided to include it. The 4 seed Yak and Yeti, taking on the 5 seed Tusker House. I think this is a very close matchup. Um... Again, I haven't eaten at Yak and Yeti. I've seen a lot of videos on it and seen the menu and done my research, but I have yet to eat there. And I, I definitely want to. Maybe that'll be my next on my list to eat at Animal Kingdom. It's taken on Tusker House. I've been there a few times. been there for breakfast and dinner, and it's a character meal. They have the safari characters um, and their safari outfits coming around and meeting the people in the restaurant. All right, the three seed, Nomad Lounge which is really a great place to sit down. It does have a bigger menu than you would think for a lounge. And you can get some really great drinks and um, sit there and along the water and watch some of those little um, boats ride by with the characters on them. So number three seed, Nomad Lounge. Number six is Boma, which I know a lot of you could rank it a little bit higher. But with me personally not eating at a lot of these Animal Kingdom restaurants, and Boma is one of them, um, I put it at a six. So again... It could, it could change depending on when I eat there or if I've actually eaten there or not. But Boma takes on Nomad Lounge. That's a good matchup there. Number two, Sanaa takes on Jiko, the seven seed Jiko. And again, I know a lot of you could argue to these seedings, but uh, I feel like if it is a great restaurant, it is going to move on and it will take out the people, right? To be the man, you have to beat the man, basically, according to Ric Flair. So... Um, there's the seatings for Magic Kingdom and Animal Kingdom. Let's move on to Hollywood Studios slash Boardwalk. And in the one seed, we have the Hollywood Brown Derby. It's just a classic restaurant and the best Cobb salad ever, basically. All right. In my opinion, taking on eight seed Cape May Cafe at the beach resort, uh, beach club resort. I've eaten there several times. Uh, recently it has... Since the pandemic uh, and it's reopened, they started charging for the crab legs, which were included on the buffet, which I kind of feel like is a little bit, you know, penny pinching, if you will. But it's always a great buffet. 
And that could be a sneaky matchup there. Hollywood Brown Derby, the one seed, taking on the eight seed, Kate May Cafe. Well, let's move on to the four seed versus the five seed. The four seed is Hollywood and Vine, which is um, a character meal, which I've done recently as well. And Mama Melrose's. So over there in Muppets land, Mama Melrose's is the five seed taking on Hollywood and Vine. Number three is Flying Fish right there on the boardwalk taking on Sci-Fi Dine-In, the sixth seed. Sci-Fi, um, it's a great atmosphere. The food could leave something to be desired. What I do is I eat the appetizers and the milkshake. And it's great. You just get to enjoy the air conditioning while you're watching the big screen um, of those classic sci-fi cartoons and films as well. All right, closing out this bracket in Hollywood Studios is the two-seed 50s Primetime Cafe, taking on the seven-seed Trattoria Al Forno, which is also on the boardwalk area as well. Um, 50s Primetime, I, when I think of Hollywood Studios, I kind of think of that restaurant for some reason. Maybe it's because I've eaten there so many times. It's super affordable as well. Like, it rarely gets above $30 per meal, which I feel like a lot of these is approaching $60 per plate. So um, that's really half the price, and you get just as much food, basically. So you really can't beat the value at Primetime Cafe. Moving on to the final region, which is Epcot. That one's loaded. There's a lot of sit-down restaurants at Epcot. I'm going to start with the one I just recently tried out, which is the 1C Le Cellier. It might be a little biased, but I ask you to find me a better restaurant than Le Cellier, especially a steakhouse on Disney property. It's going to be hard to find one better than Le Cellier. You can also get poutine. You can get creme brulee. They have a great drink menu as well. And... The experience is just incredible. It feels, it's not really Disney themed per se, but it is themed to its own unique way. Um, that being all things Canada. So um, La Cellier is incredible. Service has always been great too for me. So I ranked it number one. It's taken on an eight seed, which is Garden Grill. I've eaten there several times as well. I feel like Garden Grill, that's the one that rotates in the land pavilion around living with the land. And it usually takes about one rotation to finish all your meal, maybe a little bit longer. But uh, I know recently we've had some troubles getting in there on time. We've had a reservation and a couple of times it's taken a lot, a lot longer than it should have been. So that ranks it a little bit lower in my opinion. And I feel like you can find this food at other places too. So this style of food. So La Cellier versus Garden Grill. And Garden Grill is a character meal. So. That does rank it a little bit higher if you have kids. Number four seed, Via Napoli, over in Italy, is an incredible pizza place. Not only that, it's an incredible Italian place as well. It has great, great pasta and great pizza. And it's really not that pricey in my opinion. It's kind of up there with like 50's Primetime Cafe. But if you do get like one of those huge pizzas to share, it could get a little bit more pricey. But if you just get that personal pizza, which is enough for a meal, it is very affordable um, in terms of restaurants there at Disney. So the four seed is Via Napoli taking on the five seed Chefs de France. And, and I feel like this is one of the closest matchups in my opinion. I haven't been to Chefs de France in a while, but I used to get the prefix menu all the time. When we were on the dining plan, which I wish they would bring back very soon, which they've been saying they're going to bring it back, but I haven't 
seen anything about it. Still has like the snack credit on those menus. So hopefully that means that they're coming back very soon. But Via Napoli takes on Chefs de France, and I feel like that is a very, very good matchup. Number three seed is Teppanito. And we just recently discovered and decided to try this restaurant. And we've done it a couple of times, and both times it was incredible. So this is a hibachi-style grill in Japan. It's upstairs in that Mitsukoshi uh, department store building. And the food is incredible. And you get a show, too, basically, with the chefs. Those They have some incredible skills on that hibachi grill or that um, basically flat iron grill, right, the cooktop. And you get a show, and it's kind of tailored to Mickey Mouse and Disney as well. So the food can't be beat there. It's incredible. All right, number six, beer garden. So... I kind of paired these two up because it is very similar in style. Sometimes if you're a smaller party, you will get paired up with other people at a certain table. And it's kind of like communal dining, if you will. You're supposed to share a table and interact with the people around you. Um, so Teppanito takes on Beer Garden. I feel like that's an interesting matchup as well. Beer Garden is in Germany. And um, it's like that Oktoberfest style place. Great beer. Um, the food is good too. You have live entertainment as well, so I feel like that's a, a fun matchup to watch as well. The two seed, Space 220, one of the most recent restaurant openings at Epcot. I've dined there before. These are very hard to find. This might be one of the hardest places to get advanced dining reservations for Space 220. We were lucky enough to do it for lunch one time, and the food was great that we got. So um, I've heard some mixed reviews on the food. The price is a little bit more expensive if you go for dinner. I think it's like 80 bucks a plate, which is a lot. But you are there for the atmosphere as well. And you get kind of a ride when you're going up with the um, elevator to space. So the theming is it's 220 feet above Earth uh, in space. It takes on the 7 seed, which is San Angel Inn. And that is the one that's inside of the Pyramid in Mexico. So the one that's along the boat ride, uh, Three Caballeros, that is the restaurant we're talking about. I know there's a lot of confusion. A couple of these restaurants have very similar names. And uh, I've heard some interactions with cast members where they're confused and thought that they had reservations for that one, but it was actually the one that was outside or the one next door. And you can see how it gets confusing with similar names, but maybe they should rename one of those. But that is my seven seed. The food is kind of hit or miss sometimes, but the atmosphere is great. And it's kind of like Blue Bayou style um, theming, if you will. The one in Disneyland, if you've ever been there, that's the one that sits along the parts of the Caribbean ride. This one sits along the Three Caballeros ride. So, um, and it's the Mexican style food. And last time I ate there, it was really incredible. Sometimes the food might just depend on what you get, um, which it shouldn't be the case, right? But Sometimes it is, and you guys have had that experience before. Um, but yeah, the 2 and 7 seed is Space 220 taking on San Angel in, and I feel like that's a fun matchup as well. But that is the bracket for the best sit-down restaurants at Walt Disney World Resort and some of the surrounding resorts as well to fill in the bracket. Remember, the scoring will be based on theming. So... If I take a look at Hollywood Brown Derby versus Cape May Cafe, one of those two would get a point for theming, 
one will get a point for quality of food, one will get a point for service, one for uniqueness, and I will choose my personal favorite, which will be one-fifth of the total points as well. So you need a total of three, three points to win. There's an odd number of five. So there's always going to be an, a winner in that case. So that's how the bracket shakes out. And next week's episode, we're going to discuss the news as usual, and we will be finishing this bracket and we will be announcing my winners based on this scoring rubric. But I want to hear from you guys. Like I said, hit me up on Twitter at a Joel new world and make sure to check out my YouTube channel, which is also a Joel new world shockingly. But uh, I had a great time making this episode today. I love brackets. I love deciding winners and I love being forced to pick a winner, right? But we're all winners because we get to enjoy all of these restaurants and we get to mix it up and try them at different points in time. Um, yeah, with that said, this was a really great episode, a lot of great news, and our e-ticket attraction today was introducing the best table service restaurants at Walt Disney World Resort. Next week, we're going to pick a winner. We will get down to one champion, one final restaurant. Who will it be? Will it be be our guest? Could it be a sleeper like Nomad Lounge? Could it be a sleeper like Hollywood Brown Derby, possibly? Flying Fish, maybe? La Cellier, right? I kind of am biased to La Cellier. But that's the fun thing about these brackets. When you pair them up with a certain uh, matchup, you never know who's going to win. And that's the fun point or the fun part about it. Um, so thank you for joining me on today's adventure as we discussed all things news. A lot of news coming out. I plan on getting a Magic Band very, very soon and trying it out and uh, posting it on my YouTube channel. So check it out. Very exciting. A lot of things coming up very soon. We discussed the bracket today as well, and we will conclude the bracket with a champion on next week's episode of A Joel New World. Thanks for joining me today, and I'll see you soon. <laughs>